Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Good to be here and welcome back. This is Podcast 275, getting close to 300. Can you believe that? Kurt Mortensen here as we spend more time talking about how to maximize your influence, your persuasion, negotiation, your self-persuasion, maximize your income, maximize every aspect of your life. And I've got some great content today as we take a deep dive in the world of persuasion and influence. Kind of a medium week for me, did some local trainings and and a few webinars and slowly finishing up a new book. I'll let you know about that when it's closer. Let's kick off the show today by doing the geeky article. This comes from us from the Journal of Social, Psychological, and Personality Science about how your clothes can increase your IQ. And they found people wearing formal clothes make you feel smarter. And when people dress up, they feel more powerful. It encourages the brain to focus on the big picture thinking. And people also feel more competent and rational when they're wearing formal clothes. Interesting. So they brought hundreds of people into this lab. They brought two sets of clothes. One formal, because they thought they might be getting a job interview, and the others were casual. And they had them do some cognitive tasks, doing different things, wearing the different clothes. And they found out that those wearing the formal clothes felt more competent and rational. And those who were wearing the casual clothes described themselves as more friendly and laid back. I guess it depends what you're looking for, but the bottom line here is when you dress up, you think bigger, you feel more competent, you are more competent, and you feel more powerful just by the clothes you wear. Now, we judge other people on their clothes. We already know that. And I've seen this in other areas, too. When I'm working with youth or kids, getting them to dress up, they behave better. It's no secret that Halloween or dress-up day at high schools is probably the worst day where people get in the most trouble. Having telemarketers dress up, they perform better. Customer service, same thing. You get them to dress up, they perform better. Maybe I should do this. I know when I do webinars, I'm in sweats, very comfy clothes. Maybe I should be dressing up for those. But those are some things to think about. Not only do people judge you on your clothes but you act differently, you perform differently based on the clothes that you wear. Next up, listener email. Oh, boy! And, of course, you can send me your emails at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. And if you read your letter on the podcast, you get a subscription to Influence University, and that can be found at InfluenceUniversity.com, also the home of the archives if you're looking for past podcasts, you can find those at InfluenceUniversity.com. This one's from Chi Hao. says, I am from Taiwan. I'm reading Persuasion IQ in Chinese. I'm very interested in the psychology of objections, especially the objections I am causing. Well, first of all, good for you that you know that you're causing objections. He says, what am I doing that is causing objections in my prospect? So, Chiao, love Taiwan, been there a couple times to Taipei and, say it right, Kaohsiung. That's where 
They took me to Snake Alley, if you've ever been there, and fed me Cobra. It was once live, and then they fed it to me. Not sure if I'll be doing that one again, but that was my experience in Taiwan. Fun place. Let's answer your questions on the objections that you are causing. Now, we all know I've said it a million times on the show that up to 95% of influence involves a subconscious trigger, a feeling. I like them, I don't like them, I trust them, I don't trust them. So a lot of the objections you're given to them, you're going through the subconscious level. And some will be on the conscious level. And I'll do that with the blunder today so you kind of understand how this works. Now, one big complaint is I interview prospects after they've lied to you or you've pushed them in the wrong direction or they said no, is your demeanor. Yes, your demeanor, especially when you get to the close of that call to action. This is a big complaint because... This is the moment of truth. This is where you're asking for the money. This is where you get paid. But a lot of people, they get a little nervous on the inside and their demeanor changes. And they're like, okay, what happened to people person? This person's all serious. It's not congruent. It's different. Remember, you're persuading the whole time. And when you get to your call to action, it should excite you. This is it. This is what you've been working towards. It's not a time to get nervous or change your demeanor. Or show them that you have fear, that you're scared on the inside. This is a time. This is the time to be excited. This is it. Don't change your demeanor. That could be something that could cause an objection. And I would add to that, too, the way people reveal price or reveal the investment. That's an exciting time, too. And you should have confidence in your voice and the way you say it. This is the exciting thing is the price, the investment. Because you spent time in your presentation showing the return on investment. Because when most people say it's too expensive, you've blown your presentation. They should say, that's it, what a good deal. Even if they can't afford it, they should be saying that. So the way you reveal price should be an exciting thing. And they get to realize that, wow, for my return on investment, for what this is going to do, for the problem it's going to solve, that's nothing. doesn't matter how many commas or how many zeros it has in it. You should be excited about revealing the price, that investment. It's an exciting thing. If you do it the wrong way and your tonality and your voice... That could cause an objection. And that's a big one, especially for those that are doing a lot over the phone, your tonality, your voice. If it sounds like you've given the presentation before, you've handled the objection before, or you're just going through the motions, that could cause objections. Remember, it's probably the first time they've heard your presentation, your pitch. It needs to sound like that. It needs to sound charismatic. It needs to sound exciting. It needs to have the right tonality to where they stay engaged. If they get bored, if they get indifferent, if they're not listening, it's not their fault. It's yours because you haven't captivated them with your voice. And another one, a big one, and persuaders out there, you're probably doing this. This could really suck the life out of you when you prejudge. Oh, they're not going to do it. They're not smart enough. They don't have enough money. They're going to say no. When you prejudge, it sucks the life out of you. It sucks the energy out of you. You just go through the motions. Of course, they're going to say no because you didn't give them your best presentation. You just went through the motions. You prejudged them. Now, you might be right 80% of the time, but that other 20% or whatever the number is, you got to give them everything because when you prejudge, it triggers no. It triggers indifference. It triggers objections. Some examples would be people that just don't dress up very well to go buy a car, a nice car. I've seen people do that with construction equipment. They just don't dress up very well to see how they're treated. I think I mentioned once the story in Seattle. This was a while back where this person walked into this high-end furniture store and wasn't dressed that well, hair all over the place, and nobody wanted to help, but they sent the rookie 
And it was Bill Gates, one of the biggest orders the store has ever seen. Some people judge on accents, how people look, how people dress. You got to be careful. You just don't know. If you prejudge them, you could be right most of the time. But there's that percent when if you would just give them the right presentation, they probably would have been your most loyal fan, your biggest sale. Part of that, too, you got to be careful, too. I know this is a big complaint is that maybe there's a man and woman there and the person focuses on the man. It might be the woman who has the money, the woman that's making the decision. That can be very offensive and that can hold people back. That could cause objections. The biggest one I've seen lately, and it's also going to be our blunder, is you're not a product of the product. You're not a product of the service. What does that mean to be a product of the product? It means you're not doing what you're asking them to do. You're not a product of the product. But a lot of people ask me, how do you become a product of the product when you don't use the product or service? So let's talk about this in a couple ways. First of all, let's do the blunder of the week. Homer? Don't, don't, don't. Now, when I talk about being a product of the product or product of the service, you got to be doing what you're asking them to do. Now, I know some products and services, some are more difficult than others. But bottom line, if you're going to ask someone to do something, to purchase something, you better be using it. Now, here's an example of the service, and here's the blunder. Visiting my friend at the hospital, he was having some heart challenges, and we were talking, and here comes the social worker, letting him know what he should be eating and the exercise he'd be doing, and I know she wasn't a product of the product. She was not a product of her advice. She did not look very healthy. It was obvious she was not doing what she was asking him to do, and that loses trust, and that causes objections. Another time we see this all the time is at a restaurant. What would you recommend? Oh, I don't eat here. Okay, well, if you're not going to eat here, why should I eat there? Or you've chosen item. He says, is this a good one? And they say something, well, I'm a vegan. I don't eat that. And I go, okay. <laughs> you've got to be a product of the product. Even if you don't eat it, they could have said, well, our most popular item is. The waitress could have said, I hear it's really good. You don't have to be negative. There's a way to be a product of the product, even though you're not using the product. For example, if you were selling Rolls Royce, and you're just getting started, you probably aren't driving one. But how do you become a product of the product? First of all, best case scenario is be a product of the product. Using the software, doing what you're asking them to do, you believe in it, you use it, that is the key. If someone's trying to get you to buy a Ford, back to the car example, and they're driving a Lexus, you're like, wait a minute. And that's true with what you do. That causes instant objections. Now, I know this isn't always possible. People sell software things that they're not using. I was consulting with the group that sold to dentists and different doctors. Now, obviously, the people on the phone weren't doctors, weren't dentists. Now, if they were, that would be great, but it's not always possible. So if that's a category you're in, when you want to become a product of the product, you don't use the product or service, here's some things to help you out. The first one is passion. When you're passionate and you believe in it and they can sense that energy that you love what you're doing, that you love your product, a lot of times it won't come up that you aren't a product of the product. So being passionate about it. Now, you can increase your passion by learning more about it. You can increase your passion by reading success stories. And also, passion increases the more enthusiastic that you get. So increase your passion, increase your knowledge. Learn more about it. When you come across as the expert and you're passionate about it, they can sense that you're a product of the product. Maybe you really believe in your company and you've bought shares in your company. Maybe back to the Rolls-Royce example, maybe you're driving an older version, but saving up for the newer version and let them know that this is the one, this is on your wish list, you are going to get it someday. 
Another thing is I'd add social validation. Show them other people similar to them that are using it, that it's changed their life, it's solved their problem, it's made them money, it's saved them money. Whatever the issue is, social validation with testimonials, especially when they're similar to them. You could also use social validation, say, well, this is our number one, this is the most popular. Using social validation can help them see other people being a product of the product. So remember, don't give them any objections. You also gotta be careful when you get nervous or tense or have a little fear. Sometimes your body language might show that you're being deceptive, even though that you aren't. I mean, if they can't see your eyes, you're wearing sunglasses. Increased blinking, that happens when you get nervous. That's also a sign of deception. If you start moving more, fidgeting, crossing, uncrossing your legs, that could trigger the perception of deception. Touching your face, biting your lip, perspiration, all could be things that you're doing when you get a little nervous that could trigger resistance or objections. Even your physical parents. We talked about how you were dressed earlier, how you're dressed. I know you're yourself, well, they shouldn't judge me, but they do make sure you're dressed up a couple notches more than them. I'm not saying wearing a suit. I'm not saying dress up everywhere you go, but they're judging you on your clothing, the color of your clothes. And so when we talk about physical parents, you're talking about your clothes, but even your physical appearance, how you look. I mean, some of these things we can fix, some things we can't. It's really interesting what the studies show. Adults have baby-type characteristics, baby faces, they call them. They have more trust. Now, I don't think that's something you could practice, but it's interesting to know. Studies also show if you're 20% past your target weight where you should be, that decreases connection and trust. And one study, lifetime earnings. Not saying that it's fair. We don't deal with fair. We just deal with reality. High foreheads increase the perception of intelligence. I thought that was interesting. Old hairstyles can decrease rapport. Taller people have more instant credibility. In fact, most CEOs are taller than average. Facial hair is an interesting one for guys. Facial hair decreases instant trust, but can help long-term trust if it's a nicely trimmed beard. Interesting. Here's one to think about. Slouching posture disconnects people from you. Think about it. If you're on your phone, you're slouch, you're meeting people for the first time, there's something about that posture that causes a disconnect that could cause resistance or objections. Here's a fun one. Larger than normal ears decrease the perception of intelligence. I don't know who did that study. Again, some of these things we can fix, some things we can't. And wider teeth are rated more attractive, especially in the United States, because some cultures, the opposite is true. So if you're getting a lot of objections, a lot of resistance, you have to take a look at what you're doing or not doing. What are you doing that's repelling people? What are you doing that's causing objections? We talked about quite a few things today. In fact, a few more to add to the list. As I interview people after you try to persuade them, there's some complaints. And the big one we've talked about all the time on the podcast is vomit. You're talking too much. You're talking three times too much. That could cause objections. Knee-jerk objections. Oh, I need to think about it. I need more information. I need to talk to a partner. Those tend to be lies when you vomit on people. If you try to show them in an arrogant way how much you know and you know more than them, that could trigger resistance and objections. Here's an interesting one, getting too friendly too fast. The old, hey, tell me about your trophy. Oh, is that your family? Tell me about the fish on your wall. Those are so old school. They cause resistance. They cause objections. Now, if you can talk intelligently about these things and they want to talk about these things, it's fine. But usually every salesperson leads with that 
And that's a subconscious trigger. Up, oh, put up your guard. They're going to try to persuade you to do something. Using old school persuasion techniques would be in the same category. Violating their space, sitting too close, touching something on their desk. All these things come to play as triggers. You be subconscious triggers, conscious triggers. That's causing your prospect to have more objections. Now, objections can be a good thing, but you want to be solving the objections that they really have because when you do these things we talked about today, it usually triggers a knee-jerk objection that's not even true. They're just trying to get rid of you because something's wrong. Something doesn't feel quite right. So, Chia Hao from Taiwan, hopefully that answered your questions on the psychology objections and the objections that you're causing. If you want to go back to podcast 57 the archives at influenceuniversity.com, that's also on objections and takes a deeper dive on how to solve objections. So, Chia Hao, Thanks for your letter. You get a subscription to Influence University at InfluenceUniversity.com. And for those who want to send in your emails, it's Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Love to hear from you. Let me know what's going on, how I can help you. We went over a lot of different things today. I don't want you to create a huge checklist, but pick two or three you think that you're doing. And then just take a couple weeks and focus on one. Solve it. Fix it. And then add the next one. Don't try to do two or three at once. Just one a week, one a day, whatever the time frame is. Then you become much better at persuasion and influence. So that's our podcast for today. Thanks for being here and mastering these skills. Remember to hit like on YouTube under Maximize Your Influence. On Spotify under Maximize Your Influence. Remember, pick a couple of these things to work on over the next couple of weeks. Fix it. Don't create your own objections. Master these skills and go out and persuade with power.